This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's good to have all of you here. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. We're going to get rolling this morning. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? And our ushers would gladly get you one. Once you've got a Bible, turn with me. The book of Acts chapter 2 is where we will begin today. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm ready to go. It's going to be a great day. Again, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. And we will begin this morning. Um, just the last few days, just seeing stuff. I was reading a magazine last night, and you begin to see the decline spiritually within our society. But even more so, the, the decline spiritually within our churches. And I saw where half of people within the churches believe there's more way, more than one way to salvation. Half of the people in our churches right now believe that the Bible is not the only truth, that there are other truths. And so when I begin to read these things, I think, man, we've, we've got to do something to change this way in our churches. So if we were to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58 and verse 6, it says, that those who begin to fast the way God desires us to fast, that God would loose the bonds of wickedness, that the, he would undo the heavy burdens. Also it says the oppressed would go free and that he would break every enslaving bondage. Now as I read those, I would venture to say every one of us in this room have someone in our life or, or maybe our own life that we need to see a move of God. We need to see the, the, the power of heaven open back up. So I'm going to talk this morning a little bit about, about fasting and praying just to start the, the new year off. So we begin Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And what you begin to see here is the apostle Peter. Now, if you've ever studied the, the scriptures, before Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit, and that all took place in Acts 2, Peter would be in described as Peter the pathetic. He had a history of putting his foot in his mouth, but he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and in verse 17, he quotes the prophet Joel, and he says, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God. Now, when you look at that phrase, the last day, it is talking about the error from the day of Pentecost to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus. So we are literally in the last days. And every one of us in this room have probably heard that for years. We're in the last days. Well, understand this. 2019 will be closer to the coming of Jesus than 2018 was. And so you might as well get ready. This is going to happen. You know why? Because God said so. So he goes on to say that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. When it talks about pouring out his spirit upon all flesh, it's literally talking about people of all ages who seek God, who say, I, I want more of God. Now, I don't know if that describes you. Man, I've said to the Lord, Lord, I, I need more of you this coming year. Draw me closer than I've ever been before. Pull me deeper. He goes on to say that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I want you guys to know I'm still seeing visions. I'm not in the dream category yet. 
Thank you for that one agreement. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. I love how he describes that right there. The, the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I begin to read that passage there that the apostle Peter begins to quote. And I have the thought, what if we would begin to fast and pray for the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh? The visions, the dreams, the prophecy. But I want you to think at the last verse that he quoted, he said, salvation. That all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can never forget to evangelize. We can never forget that that's the, the, the center theme of why Jesus came. And so as I read these things, I begin to see the, the different things that the, the apostle Peter, this was his desire. This was the prophet Joel's desire. And I believe that, that if it becomes our desire, God will begin to move. So the upcoming weeks, you'll hear me reference this over and over. I'm praying in 2019 that we will see the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. That there will be encounters of a God kind unlike things we've seen. Turn with me a couple pages to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and, and through the course of the day, I'm, I'm going to give you three areas biblically that the Lord has really put on my heart. That we're to fast and to pray, and we're to stand and we're to believe God. So that was the first one. Now we pick up in, in Acts 13, verse number 1. Now in the church... Now, in the church, now I highlighted that, guys. Now, in the church, you know the church was a big deal to our Lord and Savior Jesus? That it says in Matthew 16, 18, it says, The gates of hell won't prevail against my church. He also says in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, he talks about the body of Christ, and he says, which is the church. So he highlights immediately within this church, and he goes on to say, that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, one named Barnabas. Barnabas was of the tribe of the Levites, the priesthood tribe. The next one he mentions, he says, was a man named Simeon, who was called Niger. Now, many believe this guy named Simeon right here was Simon of Serene, the man who bore Jesus' cross. The New Living says this way. Simon or Simeon was called the black man. It was a black man. So you see immediately, you got one from the, pre, uh, the Levite priesthood. You got a black man. He goes on to say this, Lucius of Cyrene, a man who lived excellently and he prophesied the future. The next one he goes on to talk about was a man named Manan who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch. So when you read this guy named Manian, 
He was a childhood friend of Herod the Tetrarch. He was a man of distinction. This is what this is talking about. And then the next guy within the church that he mentions is a guy named Saul, who ultimately was Paul the apostle. But before he was Paul, he was Saul, and Saul was a Pharisee. He was very religious. So you begin to see within this church the diversity within it. That it was people of all uh, races and culture. But you know what? They had one thing in common. And the one thing they had in common wasn't the NFL. It was the Lord and Savior Jesus. That's what brought them together. Their love for one another because of Jesus. How many have ever figured that out? Our society's problem is more education. I'm not against education. But our problem as a society is if you get Jesus into people's heart, man, there will be love, there will be respect, there will be honor, and there will be value toward other people because that's what happens when Jesus gets in your heart. And so within this church right here, you begin to see immediately the heart of God. Now, I believe in this church right here that he's talking about, it's going to resemble heaven right there. Because when you study in the book of Revelations, it says that heaven will be made up of every nation, of every tribe, and every tongue. So we might as well learn to get along while we're right here, hadn't we? Keep reading. As they ministered to the Lord... The word minister there has several meanings. The first one is they worship together. They came together as a body of believers and they worship God. And it says they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. Most translations will say here they fasted and they prayed. Now when you see right here that they fasted, you see immediately that fasting wasn't just an Old Testament practice. This was the New Testament church. And so when we fast with the right heart and pure motives, I'm just telling you, it's one of the greatest ways that will unlock the things of the spirit realm. And when we talk about fasting, fasting, the primary way to fast is to not eat. But not only to not eat, to replace that time with the purpose of seeking God. And so if you fast without praying, that's just dieting. But when you fast and you pray with a purpose that says, Father God, we need more of you, something begins to happen. And so it's very interesting to me that this church that was in here in Antioch, they ministered to the Lord with corporate worship, with corporate fasting, and with corporate prayer. And as they fasted and prayed, look what happened. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Dedicate to me Saul and Barnabas, for the work that God had called them. Verse 3. 
Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them on their way. So when you see right here they laid hands on them, that's biblical. But one of the reasons they laid hands on them, this was an act of a spiritual impartationing or a commissioning. So I read these first three verses. And I think, you know what we've done within the church? We've plotted and we've planned and we've strategized right into being mediocre and lukewarm. And the reason I say that is I look and I think, why don't we just obey the Bible? Why don't we just do what the Bible says to do? To come together and worship and believe God and to fast and to pray. And if it comes to laying hands on people in the name of you, maybe we ought to get back to the fundamental principles of the B-I-B-L-E. And so this was the heart that God began to say, stay with my word in 2019. Stay with this practice here of coming together corporately and worshiping and, and, and fasting and praying. And you'll see a great change. Verse number four, so we keep reading. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, Barnabas and Saul, went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to the island of Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salmas, they preached the word of God. It's interesting to me right here. It says, they preached the word of God. The very first thing they did was they preached the word of God. We've got to get back to staying with the word of God. And not only do we preach the word of God, I pray that as we jump into 2019, that every one of us in this room, we have an appetite for the word of God. And Lord, I, I want the word of God. I want the truth. Only the truth will set you free. And I'm just telling you right now, when you begin to live by the word of God, the truth sometimes is annoyingly accurate. How many have ever felt like the word of God just punched you right in the head? I'm like, whoa, Father God. But it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. He goes on to say, and they preached the word of God in the synagogues, the churches of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now can I tell you something real quick about this? This is elevating again in our society right now to new records. Of false prophets, of sorcerers. You know, I saw a thing on TV the other day of a young man, I would say 25 years old, and he got into sorcery and he started running a multi million dollar business off of his computer that people would call into him through the internet and tell him to prophesy to them based on as a sorcerer. And they asked him, how did you get caught up in this? And he said, growing up, I watched all kind of movies that, that had aliens in it. 
And he said, I begin to open up my heart and my mind to that type of thinking. And he said, before long, I realized I'm not in control. There's a spirit behind this that controls me. But pastor, movies are harmless. Don't kid yourself. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And so just a warning right here. I'm going to tell you, there are people that will do stuff in the name of Jesus that no more know Jesus. But i got to be careful with this. He goes on to say, And they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the pro-council. Now when you study right here the pro-council, this was the governor of that area called Cyprus. And his name was Sergius Paulus. An intelligent man. So this false prophet, he attaches himself to this governor. He's in the the politics of this nation or this island. And so this man called Bar, this man who was with the pro-council, intelligent man, he called for Barnabas and Saul, and he sought to hear the word of God. This governor of this land said, man, I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear the truth. Verse number 8. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for his name is translated, he withstood them. He opposed them. He resisted the truth. So when you look at this right here, understand this. The devil will go to great extremes to keep you and me from hearing the word of God. He does not want you to hear the word of God. And part of that that will help you, if you really want to study that, if you would go into the parable of the talents in Mark 4, starting in verse 13, it says that when you hear the word of God, the devil comes immediately to take it. This just shows you again, he does not want us hearing the word of God. So he goes on to say, he withstood them seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but two words, opportunity and opposition. They start with the first four letters that are exactly the same. And I will tell you, and I believe with all my heart this, that opportunity and opposition, they travel together. When you make a stand for the kingdom of God, that's opportunity, but there's also going to be opposition. You stand for the word of God, you're going to be opposed. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You're going to be opposed. Goes on to say this. Then Saul, who is also called Paul. Now I believe through the scriptures that this is the first time in scripture that Saul was actually called Paul. And it goes on to say, then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. I just want you to stop just a minute and think about what he just said. Paul, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why was that highlighted? Did that matter? 
Everybody's filled with the Holy Spirit, are they? Because it's interesting to me, it says of Paul who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the prophet Zechariah said this in Zechariah 4, 6. He said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And so I believe personally right here that the author here, Luke, is saying that the apostle Paul is getting ready to do what he was doing by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so we look at two people we've already studied this morning. The apostle Peter, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the apostle Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to even go further, in Acts 10 verse 38, it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So what has happened? Have we got away from being filled with the Holy Spirit? Where we say, man, Holy Spirit, I need you. Act, or Luke 24, 49 says this. You'll be endued with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, right now in our churches, we hear an awful lot about Father God, which we should. We hear a lot about the Lord and Savior Jesus, which we should. But we've kicked the Holy Spirit out of the church. And it's interesting here that some of the greatest men in the Bible besides our Lord and Savior, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 5 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled and be filled and be filled and be filled. I believe it's a call for 2019. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. I welcome that. And he goes on to say, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked intently at him, this sorcerer. And Paul said, Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all of righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Paul confronts him. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead them by the hand. And so when you look at this, Luke attributes Paul's rebuke to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But you know what he's saying here? Paul is acting as God's agent here on earth. And you know what it shows me? The devil may have power, but he doesn't have power like God. And he's always looking, God's always looking for ones that'll stand up in the name of Jesus. And so when you read this right here, if, if I was to walk down here right now, and I would to look at Travis and say, you son of the devil... Can you imagine what would happen in our society? People would be uh, uh, appalled. I, I can't believe you did that. Don't judge me. But right here, Paul wasn't speaking personal judgment. He wasn't even being vindictive. He was operating under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is some of the area that's lacking, that we live in such a fragile society that if anyone says anything, oh, that's not politically correct. Don't offend me. 
Do you think that wouldn't offend you, you son of the devil? <laughs> Don't get any ideas, pastor. I won't unless it's the Holy Spirit. So watch what takes place here. Then the proconsul, the governor, he believed. When he saw what had been done, think about this for a second. Here's this sorcerer who had been predicting this and this and this. And Paul tells him, you son of the devil. And he says, this, this blindness is going to come on you. And all of a sudden, the sorcerer, man, he can't see nothing. And this governor looks and says, I believe. I believe. And it goes on to say, when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And so when you look at that right there, you know what you see? Two things took place. They preached the word. And it was accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16 verse 20 says this. God confirm your word with signs following. How many of us in here have ever prayed that? Father God, my desire for 20, 2019 is, Lord, we ask you, confirm your word with signs following exactly what took place right here. Confirm your word. So again, we must preach the word of God. And when I say we preach the word of God, we preach the uncompromised word of God. Not a polite Feel good. Make me leave here feeling so fuzzy and warm. No, he said preach the word of God. He didn't say preach a, a doctrinal presentation. He said preach the word of God and it'd be confirmed with science following. What would happen if we begin to do that? So I look at all that took place in, in Acts 13 verses 1 through 12. How was all this birthed? They came together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They fasted together. They did life together. The red, yellow, black, white, and brown. And so what you begin to see is when a group of believers come together in unity in the name of Jesus, stuff happens. Stuff happens. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. You guys got quiet on me. So you begin to get a little heart. You know, oftentimes this year I'll begin to pray and the Lord, he'll begin to, he'll begin to speak into my heart. And sometimes I'll write those downs on a sheet of paper and I'll share them with you. A lot of what the Lord's given me this year, you'll hear it come out through the teachings. You'll hear it come out through certain scriptures that when I would begin to meditate on those and I, I would just sit on those scriptures and I would look at it for a while. The Lord would say, that's my heart for 2019. So we begin in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. 
We must listen carefully to the truth. Not only to focus on it and listen, but I got to obey it. Again, this comes back to saying, Lord, I, I want an appetite for the word of God. I need the word of God. I, I hunger and thirst for your word today, Lord. Why is it such a big deal? Least we drift away. Least we drift away from what we've heard spoken. Now this is one of the verses that I begin to sit on. And the Lord said that 2019 will be marked by a year with many. It will be casual belief. Almost like I, I can take it or I can leave it. Just a, a little dab will do me. And if I have that mindset, I'm going to start drifting away. Psalms 92.13 says this, Those who are implanted in the house of God will flourish. I'm just going to tell you, get planted in the house of God. Get planted. Think about a plant. He's in the ground. So what will begin to happen, I believe, in 2019, and I begin to see it, and every one of you begin to see it too, I believe, in 2018, there was a drifting from the things of God. Now, when you think of the word drifting, the, the best description I can give you is in the ocean. I don't know if you've ever spent much time in the ocean. I have. I like the ocean. I love to get in the ocean. And so anytime I get into the ocean, I always mark myself a point of where I got in. Especially like a lifeguard stand. I'll look and say, that's, that's lifeguard number 12. Because guess what happens? When you get into the ocean, without even trying, you start drifting. Start drifting. You keep drifting. And before long, you're at lifeguard number 3. And you think, what did I do to get down there? It's the same with the kingdom of God. If you do not deliberately... Make church priority. If you do not deliberately make the word of God, guess what? You're going to drift. You're going to drift. I don't care what little floaties you put on. You're going to drift. And it's not good when we start drifting. Where I say, Lord, I, I, I need a freshness here to start this year. Keep reading. Verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast or firm. And what this is talking about is the Mosaic uh, covenant that God made in the Old Testament when he brought the angels. And he said, the word which the angels brought, that Old Testament covenant, it stood firm. Now watch his wordings in this. And every transgression, every violation and disobedience or active disobedience received a just reward, a just punishment. You know what he was telling us there? That as they broke the Mosaic law, as they broke the word of God that the angels brought, every transgression, every violation, every act of sin was punished. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So guess what he's saying? As, as the Mosaic law stood firm and steadfast, 
That's the same with salvation. I want to ask you some questions here about salvation. How'd you get saved? You believed in the Lord Jesus. You said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I can never get away from the Lord Jesus. I, I can tell you right now, I don't care how bad you've missed it in the last month. Jesus loves you. Don't run from salvation. Don't run from, from the grace of God. And that's what he's telling us. We're saved by grace through faith. And so I can never get away from this great salvation. Hang on to Jesus and hang on to grace. Our greatest prayers every day would say, In the name of Jesus, Father God, grace me to be godly in an ungodly world. Grace me to... This is what he's telling us. Again, when I read these, I think, why don't we just do the word? Why don't we just obey the word? I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Why don't I just obey the word? Grace me, Lord, grace me. He goes on to say, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? With the first begin to be spoken by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. I'm going to highlight this. Where it says it was confirmed. You know where that takes us all the way back to? It cross references us back to Mark 16, 20. That says God would confirm his word with signs following. So when I preach the word. When you hear the word. Even when you're in house. When you're reading your Bible at that's hearing the word of God. Then my expectation should be this. Father God, I welcome you confirming your word with signs following. I welcome you into our church. I welcome you to my home. I welcome you to confirm your word in my marriage. What if we just did the word? What if we just obeyed the word? Verse 4. God also bearing witness or testifying both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The greatness of salvation was confirmed by these three facts. Number one, the spoken word. It was confirmed by the apostles. It was attested by the ministry of the Holy Spirit through miracles and spiritual gifts. So as I begin to read verse 4, this was the third one the Lord said begin to pray. The first one, Acts 2, the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. And we believe God that people are going to get saved. Number 2, Mark 16, verse 20, that God would confirm his word with signs following. Number 3, Hebrews 2, verse 4, the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, if I had time, I would take you there. But for your resource here, your reference, that's all found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. It lists the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm going I'm, I'm to speak the gifts of the Spirit to you. And I want you to think right here. Do any of these sound attractive to me? The gift of healing. That's real attractive. The gift of miracles. Real, real, real attractive. 
the gift of faith, uncommon faith. I mean, a, a faith that just, that walking on the water faith. The word of wisdom. Wisdom deals with the future. The word of knowledge, it deals with the past. How about this one? Discerning the spirits. In other words, one seeing to the spirit realm. I've never seen in the spirit realm. I'd kind of like to. Prophetic utterance. That the young and the old, they prophesy. The gifts of tongues with interpretation in the body of Christ. So when he lists that right there, what would happen if we say, Father God, I welcome that. I, I welcome miracles. I welcome the gifts of healing. Let me ask right now. How many in this room have ever seen the gift of healing or a gift of miracle in an operation? I've seen it. I'm just like you. I've seen it. A woman of God years ago named Catherine Kuhlman, she wrote a book that said, God can do it again. I believe that God's not the problem. We're the problem. What's our problem? I'm glad you asked. Go back into the Old Testament to the book of Joel, the prophet Joel. Now, that's if you go from the start and you'll go through Ezekiel, Daniel, and then before long you'll hit Hosea and some of them guys and You'll come into the book of Joel. This probably won't help a bit, but that's page 1163 of my Bible. So this man named Joel, this prophet Joel, he saw the decline of a nation of a people spiritually. And it bothered him. I don't know if it bothers you. It bothers me. I don't want people to go to hell. And so we pick up in the book of Joel chapter 1. Verse 14. And the subtitle of this is Mourning for the Land. And it says, Consecrate a fast. Set apart a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all, A-L-L, all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. And cry out to the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 12. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Now look how he says to turn to him with all his heart. With fasting and with weeping and with mourning. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and relents from doing any harm. And so when they tore their garments, this, this was a common practice of grief in their life. But in this situation here, he says, not only to, to, to rend your heart and not your garments. So when he says, rend your hearts here, he's saying, you're torn with grief. 
And there needs to be a confession of your sin. Come and repent. Come and repent. Verse 14. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. A grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. And when he gets over in verse 14, you know what he's saying? Not only have you guys quit repenting, you lack in your tithes and your offerings. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. The first trumpet blew for impending danger. But this time, when he says blow the trumpet, it's a call for a nation to repent. And he goes on to say, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from the chamber and the bride from her dressing room. And so when you see this sin and judgment, it touched all the people of that land. From the oldest to even the nursing babes. And this was so significant. You know what he said? If you're getting ready to get married, time out. Postpone your marriage to consecrate a fast and to repent. Verse 17. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach or mockery that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land. The zealous there meant present, right then. And he goes on to say, and pity his people. The Lord will answer and to say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. Let me read into that just a little bit for you. After they repented, after they had fasted and they had prayed, it lists three things in verse 19 that says they will satisfy them. The first one that he mentioned, what it was? The grain. You know what the grain represented? The bread, which represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. The next one he mentions was the wine, which represents the blood of Jesus. And the last one he mentions is the oil, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you know what he said right there? That will satisfy them. And so as I read this right here, how can me and you have any right to expect the fulfillment of these promises without meeting the condition? So what would happen if we consecrated a fast? And we said, Lord, we're going to pray. Lord, we're going to repent. Again, none of us are exempt from that. When I see this in this passage here with Joel, judgment was going to come to all of them because of sin. But I, I see in the Old Testament, and I saw in the New Testament, 
What begins to happen when people would come together and say, you know what? We're going to fast and we're going to pray. And I, I don't know if you've ever fasted. But we have these guidelines to help you. And as you saw on the video with Evan that it talks about we're going to highlight certain things every day to come together and we're going to pray about it. And we're going to stand together and we're going to believe God's going to move. And I believe through this fast that the bonds of wickedness are going to be undone. I believe yokes of bondage will be broken. Now, let me ask you something. Are there yokes of bondage in this house? Yeah, there is. But what would happen if we all just came together and said, we're in, Pastor. We're all in. We're going to pray. We're going to repent. We're going to call out to God. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm going to call out to God like I never have before. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.